0: Well, hello. Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we are talking about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. I'm Jeff Bruce, one of the pastors here. I'm joined by another pastor here, my dad, John Bruce. Dad, how are you? I am
1: great. Great.
0: Good. How are you doing? I'm okay. Good. Happy St. Patrick's Day.
1: That's right. Are you wearing green? I am. Yes, so am I. My daughter made me.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a fitting day to continue our new series on the habits of a missionary, in honor of St. Patrick, one of the great missionaries in church history. Jesus does not command the world to come to the church, but he does command the church to go to the world. In John 17 and John 20, Jesus says, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. He is speaking to every Christian, in a sense, there. And every Christian is commanded by Christ and empowered by the Spirit to go into the world and make disciples, and that means that every single Christian is, by definition, a missionary. We are all sent ones. And so the questions we are grappling with in this series are, what are the habits of a missionary? How do missionaries think? How do they speak? How do they relate? How do they act? What are their priorities? How do they orient their lives? And to answer those questions, we're looking at a book, Sam Chan's brand new book, which is entitled How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy, Personal Evangelism in a Skeptical World. Great, practical, helpful little book where Chan gives us eight tips on how to live like a missionary, and he is truly a practitioner, someone worth listening to. And so we are looking at each of these. We've looked at two so far. We've seen first that a missionary is someone who will merge their universes. They will merge their universes. They find creative ways to connect their Christian social network and their non-Christian social network. Second, missionaries take the initiative. They go. They attend the events, the functions, the get-togethers of their non-believing friends. They don't start by inviting people to come to their things, but going to other people's things. So today, Dad, we're looking at the third habit, and the best way to sum this up is probably hospitality. That's the third rhythm of a missionary. Now, in one sense, this chapter is about two things. It's about how to be hospitality, the art of hospitality, but it's also about how to have conversations with people while you're being hospitable. So kind of the two elements of hospitality. So let's start with just the art of being hospitable. Dad, initial thoughts on this. Yeah,
1: I I think that kind of the gold in this really, I mean, the whole chapter is great. What I really liked was toward the end, uh Chan talked about how so many uh, situations where we're with non-believers aren't really conducive to talking about spiritual things. Mm-hmm. You, you, you've got other responsibilities, you've got people coming and going. you've got uh, but, but by being hospitable, you're actually setting up an opportunity where you can leisurely talk about deeper things of life rather than trying to fit it in into some other situation. So I, I thought, you know, just the whole basis for hospitality as it, as it relates to evangelism was really good.
0: Yeah. It's almost as if you have to lay the groundwork to have a conversation. Yeah. And, and that's an environmental factor. You yeah. have to have the right environment to have that conversation. And as culture has shifted and people have gotten busier and more fragmented in their lives, there just aren't natural rhythms of life societally where you can have long conversations. It's not like neighbors are all hanging out in their front yard on Sunday afternoons or there's voluntary associations where there's a bowling night and everyone's just going to go there and hang out. Those things don't happen anymore. Yeah.
1: I remember years ago, uh, I was watching a college intramural football game, uh, with this uh, a non-believing guy who was visiting from Australia and one of my Christian friends right in the middle of the game tries to share Christ with him right there on the on the field and it it did not go well it just you know it, it just couldn't pay attention because we were we were into the game and so i you've got to have situations where people can have the the leisure and the undistracted
0: time to really talk about things that matter yeah and the great thing about this is that it's biblical as well. The Bible says a ton about hospitality. Right, right, right.
1: Hospitality is literally the love of strangers, and so hospitality fits right into evangelism because it's a way of showing love to to people who are, if not strangers to us, or at least strangers to the gospel.
0: Right. And, And if hospitality seems foreign to us, um, it's probably reflective of the fact that our culture has shifted so much, rather than it being some kind of irregular thing more broadly. Because for the rest of the world, hospitality is a way of life. Right. Right. And it certainly was in the first century as well. Right. That the way you showed someone you are my friend is by welcoming them into your home. Right. Right.
1: No, I think I think the great thing about this chapter is is it takes a big intimidating. Uh, uh, two big intimidating subjects, evangelism and hospitality, <laughs> both of which, uh, where do I get started? And it breaks, da- breaks them both down into small, bite-sized steps. So not only how can you be hospitable, but how can you use those opportunities to gently move a person toward uh, being able to share the gospel with them?
0: Right. No, that's good. Uh, and, and I think in our culture, this is pretty revolutionary, yeah. Um, Steve Childers, who teaches at Reformed Theological Seminary, he, uh, he someone asked him, what is the key for evangelism in the 21st century? And he said, hospitality. Yeah. Th- that yeah. is the one missing thing. And in all of our tactics and ideas will um, fall short if we don't establish um, some way of being hospitable right. toward others. Right, right. And and so I think that gets into, okay, we could go to Hebrews 13, John 13, Matthew 5, um, 1 Timothy, Titus, 1 Peter. There's all sorts of biblical texts you could go to to show the importance of hospitality. But but I'm going to guess our listeners are already convinced yeah. <laughs> that this is important. And so let's go to barriers, because I think people might say, that's great, but my home's not set up for this. Um, maybe I don't have a home. I live in an apartment. Um, or it just feels very intimidating. I don't have the gift of hospitality of entertaining people. So how do we make a start at this?
1: well, i think I think the start that he suggests is very good, which is just having coffee with somebody
0: mm-hmm.
1: because uh, if, there's a lot of people who, if you invite them over for dinner, they will not come, right? Just because they don't feel comfortable with you. They don't know. Uh, who you are that well, or or what? They so, just rather than thinking of hospitality purely on having someone over for dinner, to start out with just a, a very doable step, which is to ask somebody out for a coffee and and you know ten to twenty minutes of conversation.
0: Right. Yeah, and and often that can happen in a workplace environment pretty easily. Yeah, where absolutely. where where you can show hospitality in a third place or even at a workplace just by providing some kind of food. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, just by taking the initiative to invite them and then pay for them.
0: Yeah. And I, I loved his idea that, you know, right around 10 a.m., if you are the person at the office who will get coffee for people, Yeah, <laughs> it's a great way to love your coworkers but also, it's a great way to engage in conversation. Exactly. If they're going to stop to drink coffee, you can too at the right. same place. Right? You know, and, right. And, and you know, who knows? COVID world, maybe all of our tactics just got rendered obsolete forever. But assuming we're still going to be, uh, you know, in some kind of environment where where we're working together, um, that's an easy way to show love.
1: I, I agree COVID is not lord
0: yeah <laughs> yeah there will be hospitality at some point yes. in the future yes. yeah that, that that this will endure yeah. so yeah. no that's that's good you know i think another intermediate step in hospitality because if we're saying kind of the goal here is to get them into your home right at some point and welcome them in it, that's kind of an end point of hospitality not a beginning point exactly exactly right
1: yeah i and 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 people are not any more comfortable coming to your home than you are having them over to your home <laughs> until until there is some kind of a relationship established. Yeah, And so there are intermediary steps, and a coffee, and then maybe taking somebody out for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the home can be an end point uh, right. often, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's important to, to see the baby steps in the process. Another one that I think is important to consider is that, oftentimes it's easier to invite people to a bigger function yes. than it is to invite them into your home. Yeah, And the, the person who helped me see this, um, I think Edward Hall was the one who coined the term proxemics, mm. and it's a theory of physical space and how physical space works. And, and his point is that depending on the number of people in a space, it facilitates different kinds of interactions, and there's a different comfort level. Mm. And so he divided, there's intimate space, um, there's personal space, there's social space, and there's public space. And so, you know, intimate would be two mm-hmm. is, is the most intimate kind of conversation. Personal is two to four. Social is four to 12 or maybe a little more. And then public is over 12. And, and so th- there's a value to hanging out with people in, I would say, groups of 20 or 30. Mm-hmm. Often, you know, if there's a game night at a place that's at someone else's house or, or some kind of function, where you're going to know some people there, that kind of space is great for hospitality. Yeah, yeah. Um, because public space facilitates more comfortable conversations. It's easier to find someone to talk to, and there's not as much of an expectation that you're going to go around a circle and talk or something like that. Right. And, and you can stay at the level of interests in your conversation.
1: Right. People don't feel trapped. I mean... if that Exactly. If, if, if you've only got one or two other people to talk to, you're kind of trapped. But and that's fine once you have a relationship developed once you but,
0: enjoy the person and enjoy talking to them
1: exactly. But you have to get you know you have to you can't go to the, put them into the deep end. You got to start at the shallow end and and that's just a big group. You can circulate around. You can find people who you relate better to. Um, you can go sit in a corner and read a book. There's all kinds of things you can do. But it makes people feel safe.
0: Right. No, that's that's good. Uh, other thoughts about the art of hospitality in, in doing this?
1: I, I think, I think that the, the thing that comes through, it is costly and you just have to accept that it's going to be costly, that mm-hmm. uh, somebody's going to have to take the initiative. Um, I, I look at how many people in our neighborhood have neighbors over for dinner and they don't, it's just, somebody has got to set the stage. Somebody has got to say, let's all go over to our house and we'll have a barbecue in the back or, um, that it, it's not going to come natural and uh, just like evangelism doesn't come natural. <laughs> so I think just to, uh, to uh, face the fact that it is going to be somewhat costly and because it is obedience, you're not necessarily going to be real good at it or gifted in it. Uh, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't, that's not an excuse not to do it. Um, so those are just some some thoughts of random thoughts that I have.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's good. And 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 just starting small, buying someone lunch. Yeah. Uh, is, is such an easy way to do it. To say, yeah. hey, if, if you're if it's it's around lunchtime, hey, I'll buy you lunch today. Yeah. And just go do that. And 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 you'd be amazed how much that sets the groundwork for then inviting the person over for dinner. Yeah. Or doing something like that. Yeah. yeah. So that's good. So there, there's all sorts of creative little ways to to do hospitality. You can team up with other believers. We could even, you know, kind of merge habit one and habit three here and then if you do something together and it's more public space bigger venue maybe someone really does have the the space to have a lot of people there. Yeah. You can set up the food for it. You guys can plan it together. Yeah. And so there's there's lots of intermediate steps there. Um but but that's only part of the deal because you know food a great space that that sort of create the conditions in which meaningful conversations can happen. But then you've actually got to learn to talk to people. Right. And that gets to the second point here, and the art of hospitality. Right, right. Now, Chan gives three layers of conversation, right? There's the interest level, um, which is kind of what do you like. There's the values level, which is what are your priorities in life. And then there's the worldview level, which is really the big questions. Right, right. And, and um, he gives some tips on, on how to move through these layers. But what are your initial thoughts on just at the very basic level, <laughs> learning how to talk to people. Because I don't think we talk about this enough, that to evangelize you have to learn how to have a conversation with exactly, someone. Exactly, exactly. I like the way
1: he kind of joined the hospitality angle with the evangelism or conversation angle and started a kind of the coffee representing the interest layer, mm-hmm. so that you, you, when you have coffee with somebody, basically what you're talking about is you're not leaping into... Uh, uh, The gospel necessarily, but you're just basically talking about uh, safe topics. Uh, There's no controversy here. Um, There's few opportunities for disagreement. You're just kind of talking about what are you interested in Mm -hmm. and listening to the person and then letting them know what you're interested in. It's what we call small talk. Mm -hmm. But small talk really earns the trust and lays the, the groundwork to move to deeper and potentially more dangerous topics because you've already proven yourself to be a good listener, you're a safe person, you're not weird, and you share a lot of the same interests as the other person.
0: Yeah, I, I would say the the interests layer is way more important than people realize yeah. in evangelism. Yeah. And and I kind of hate that we call it small talk, because in the process of developing a relationship, it's not small at all. You have to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And and two things about that first to talk about interests effectively you have to be interesting yeah that's the first thing you gotta have some interest you got to have some interest yourself that yeah. there's things you like to do um there's hobbies you enjoy there's um, there's, there's got to be a team you like to follow. There's got to be something in the world that's a touch point between you and the person. Yeah. And for some people, I really think the first step in being a missionary is just developing some common point interest with people. Because yeah. if you don't have that, you're not going to get to a meaningful conversation about values or worldviews. Yeah. So that's one factor is you've got to be interesting. Yeah. But the second thing is you've got to be interested. Yeah. You, you have to really be a student of the person and, and we'll get to this more in the chapter on listening, but but you have to be attentive to the things they say so that you can ask good follow-up questions. And, and I like to think of it as, okay, if we have the hospitality framework, you're acting like the host in the conversation. Yeah. And yeah. the point is you are making them feel welcome. You are making them feel drawn out. You are not waiting on them to do that for you. And you're modeling what you'd like to see them do to you. Yeah, yeah.
1: Now, so many conversations are like tennis games where one person hits the ball and the other person lets the ball go by and then they hit a ball. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they don't, they don't pick up on what the person is talking about. They completely change the subject Mm -hmm. and talk about something they're interested in. And that's, that's just, you're not going to take, move, move forward from that unless you're interested in responding to what they say and are curious about what they say and want to know more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and you need a a good theology of humanity to do that. This person's created in the image of God. Uh, you know, C.S. Lewis said, "You've never met a mere mortal." Yeah. Right. That yeah. that people are endlessly fascinating and um and unique and, and 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 wonderful, and you have to have kind of a wonder at the person. What do you like? What makes you tick? How does yeah. this? You know, and 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 that person is going to f- sense either valued by you or kind of ignored by you. Depending on how you engage in small talk, yeah. When you learn about what they do, how interested you are, are you in the job? What questions come to mind about their job? You know, yeah. oh, what's it like to be in that situation? Yeah. What, how do you respond when these kind of things happen? You know, and then th- those kind of questions really signal to the person, uh, not that I'm interested in your job, but I'm interested in you. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: And and the fact that you go through the interest layer first. It shows that you just you're not kind of a one note pony. You just want to get the gospel in, but you are vitally interested in them, and so the more interest you show in them, the more they trust you. Yeah, the more they want to talk to you because we all like to like to talk to people who seem to enjoy listening to us.
0: <laughs> exactly, and so that's that's the 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 interests layer, right. Eventually, we've got to probe deeper, right? To to the layer of values, um, to the to the layer of what makes you tick, right? Um, you know, there's there's values that are just preferences. I prefer this to this, but there's also values that this is sort of a fundamental thing that governs my life. And so, I I, I think there's an art to moving from the interests layer. Right to the values layer. Right, there's there's key doors where you can go there. How how do you how do you figure out when to make that jump in the conversation?
1: Well, I think um, the person gives you clues um, for sure. He yeah, Chu gives the example of talking to a uh, a non-believing guy who several times in the evening mentioned his mom had died yeah. and he never picked up on it. You know, <laughs> he just never, he kind of overlooked that completely. Yeah. And his wife asked him later, did you notice how, how he really wanted to talk about uh, the impact that his mother's death had on him? And so you have yeah. to have your antenna out to see what's important to this person. Because a lot of times the people want to talk about deeper things, cause, and they, they finally found somebody who will listen. And and so they want to talk about it. But other than that, I think asking questions, uh, a person uh, says okay I'm interested in, in this I, I, I pl- the illustration he gave which is a great one I, I play baseball I play softball mm-hmm. every every weekend right and, uh, and and so the question that gets to values is well why is that so important to you why, right. why do you play value mm-hmm. why, why do you play uh, softball do you is it the camaraderie uh, is it the health benefits or or what is it so why do you value this thing? As opposed to to something else, yeah, and and then of course values, as we can talk about in a minute, lead into worldview in terms of
0: well, why do you value that? Right. Yeah, I think, I think being really keyed into feelings, and when people talk about how they feel about things, saying yeah, why why do you think you reacted that way? How how you know why did you feel that way? Yeah is a great window into that when they are disclosing feelings yeah. about things. Yeah. Um sometimes just hey, tell me more about that. That yeah. sounds interesting. Yeah. Is is a great way to get there as well. Those are a few that that he 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 gives as well. And um you know I I think um I, I think there are things like if you're talking about children or something there's going to be more especially if you're talking about issues you're dealing with in the home and stuff like that you you've got a chance to talk about well what are your goals you know here in raising your kid what what does that look like what yeah. do you, what are you what are you hoping to accomplish with that yeah, yeah.
1: it's good he brings up in the the values you you're moving from from more safe to less safe topics right and because you're talking about values there's more potential for disagreement right um because you know, Talk about parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the person you may disagree with the way the person is parenting, right? And that's where you have to restrain yourself from giving a lecture or advice, or expressing your point of view. And you're again, you're asking, why is that valuable to you? Why do you think that? Right. Because that's what you're really after here. You're yeah. trying to get a deeper level of understanding of this person and why they value what they value. Yeah. As opposed to trying to correct their values at that point.
0: Well, and the reality is that in general, I think people have to signal that they are interested in your perspective. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. And yeah. until they are signaling that, they probably aren't interested. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. and that's why this creates this takes an enormous amount of patience yeah. in conversation that the, you're not looking for reciprocity in the conversation where you tell me what you think, and now I tell you what I think. You're—it's going to be very lopsided with most relationships at first. That—that that you are seeking them out to figure out what they think, and then a sliver will open eventually. Yeah, <laughs> where, where you can give your perspective on something. Yeah,
1: yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, that's good.
0: So, that's that's good. Um, he talks about the power of questions here, especially as we get to the worldview layer, layer which is really the, the big questions of life, you know, where do we come from? Where are we going? What's good, true, and beautiful? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the kinds of questions that we don't even articulate. We just assume that, that govern all of our other decisions. Right. Right. Um, and so what, once you get there, you know, what, what, uh, any tips there for, for having those kind of conversations?
1: Yeah. It sounds, it sounds so theoretical until you actually do it. And it, it is, it is actually very, uh, uh very practical because it you're you're saying what what are you interested in why are you interested in values mm-hmm. and then and, and why do you value that right you know that's really what you're what you're asking yeah uh, and so again asking but I think you're right our goal is not to control the conversation our goal is not to talk about ourselves our goal is to get to know the person and as you get to know the person you begin to see opportunities where you can can uh, uh, talk about. I, I think uh, you have talked about somebody about your about their background. What was uh, what was going to junior high like for you? Mm-hmm. And and you find something co- you have in common with them. Right. And you say, yeah, boy, I experienced the same thing in junior high. Yeah. Why do Why do you think junior high is a tough time? Or right. Why you know what part?
0: Why is that part of life
1: yeah, such uh, a challenge?
0: Creating that empathy and that shared experience. Exactly. And then and moving that, from there. And,
1: and you get the values, and then. Uh, you begin to see places that something, you know, that really has helped me over the years in getting past this has been, you can get, you can get it in the gospel then.
0: Yeah. And I would encourage you that this doesn't always take that long. Yeah. I think it's easy to get there sometimes if they're giving the doors. I remember um, being on a uh, Uber drive and the driver was Muslim and uh, it was Ramadan. And, and and so, you know, incredibly sacred time. and And he was fasting during the day. And, and we we're just talking about food in the area, where to go for food, and it came up mm-hmm. that, he, that, that he wasn't eating. And so that just so easily went into, okay, what is the purpose of fasting? What is it in Islam? You know, how is that different than Christianity? By the way, I'm a Christian, so I'd, I'm, I'd really, I've never had this conversation before. Yeah. I'd love to hear more. Yeah. And now we're talking about basic practices, tenets of our faiths within five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. in in the conversation. So yeah. so it doesn't necessarily take that long to get there if you just seem interested in the person. And sometimes they'll disclose information really quick because let me tell you, it's rare to find anyone who is genuinely interested in you. Yeah, yeah. Most people are pretty self-focused as they're moving throughout the day. And I am too, just next thing, next thing. And so when you get a person who really seems unhurried and interested in you, you might start opening up really quick. yeah.
1: And also, it'll become obvious if they're not interested in talking about something. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they'll they they uh, there's obviously a, a, a line they will not cross, and they'll change the subject, or talk about something else, or uh, all kinds of things. But you know, when there's an open door where you can kind of nudge the thing further to deeper issues, right? Um, deeper values, or when it's leave it where it is for
0: now. Yeah. Yeah, they're not ready and yeah
1: and continue the conversation at another time
0: no that's that's really good but but again this is um th- this is an art learning to not butt in with your thoughts to fill conversation but to keep asking yeah exploratory questions um yeah so yeah he's he talks
1: about nudge questions mm-hmm. which are questions that are kind of designed to nudge you to the next level mm-hmm um, and I liked, he, he gave an illustration of a crew staff member mm-hmm. working, working with young people and, and some of the questions she asked, yeah. um, and just, what are you hoping for in life?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I thought it was a great question. Um, where do you want to be in five to 10 years? Yeah. And and then why is that important to you? Yeah. Um, and then what if it doesn't happen?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, so you're, you're, you're getting, you're helping a person to talk. A lot of people would love to talk about deeper issues in life, they don't know how to get there. Right. Because most people don't listen to them. Mm-hmm. So if you can help show them that not only are you a listener, but you're a person who talk, thinks a little more deeply about life, um, that will open the door for so many people. That, oh, finally, I have somebody who can talk to me about things I've wanted to talk to. Right. You know, talk about.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think to sum up what we're saying here is that... It, Relational capital, right? Social connection is the door to spiritual influence, as we've said. Social connection cannot happen apart from hospitality. Right. You need to find a way to show hospitality. Yeah. And you can think of hospitality as both creating the conditions in which a great conversation can happen, and then here's how you have the great conversation. Yeah, yeah. And and I think, to reiterate a point we've said in previous podcasts, I think people in our culture in particular are super hungry for um, a more welcoming place that's more unhurried to have meaningful conversations, because they're just... I can't think of a place in our culture where that happens right now.
1: No, no. No, our culture is constantly talking at you. Mm -hmm. They're not listening to you. Yeah, they're not
0: talking with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly, and
0: and so it's a way to be very distinctive, and I think it's it's meeting a, a deep felt need for yeah. people as well. Absolutely, uh, that gives great doors to the gospel. So, yeah, yeah. good. Any other thoughts? Uh, I think that that sums it
1: up very well. I I just think this is taking a complicated subject, mm-hmm. two complicated subjects: one, hospitality, and baby steps to take becoming mm-hmm. more hospitable, but also sharing your faith and baby steps to take. To how to actually get to the gospel in a graceful way.
0: Yeah. Good. Well, thanks, Dad. We'll talk uh, next time about um, listening. And so I figure we won't talk very much for the next podcast. We'll just kind (laughs) of listen to each other for 40 minutes and just model it. How does that sound (laughs) to you? Model it sounds great. Sounds electrifying. All right, cool. Well, listeners, thanks uh, for tuning in, and we will see you again soon.